Welcome back to the So You Can Relate podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the So You Can Relate podcast. My name is Adefala. And it's your girl Joyce. We are back and better, like we say every single episode. Because <laughs> if we weren't better, who would we be? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So one thing we wanted to discuss today was uh, this whole idea of friendships having fatal flaws or your friends having fatal flaws. And I think it'd be interesting to also consider what your fatal flaw might be. I've been trying to figure out mine and I can't, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I think I'm perfect. Yeah. It's because it will probably be more of a projection as like, what do, I, what do I not like about myself? And me assuming that people see that and think that's my fatal flaw. But what do you think of this whole idea of your friends having fatal flaws and about you now coming to the point where you have to accept that or just no longer be your friend or to like distance yourself from them? Yeah, I think um, it's just the reality. Like, no no one's perfect that we know this. But sometimes I find it funny when I talk to my friends and they're telling me about their other friendships and I notice a pattern in a particular person. I'm like, but you know this is how this person is. <laughs> so you either have to just accept that that's how they are mm-hmm. and maybe advise them, but know that that's their fatal flaw mm-hmm. rather than constantly being hurt by it. It's like, if you're friends with a liar, when she lies, you can't now be shocked because yeah. this is what she does. Or... Mm, I can so relate to this. When you're friends with someone that's always late. Yeah. You know this person's always late. And sometimes it's like, oh, why do I have to accommodate your lateness? Like, why do I have to tell you that the restaurant booking is an hour earlier than it actually is because you're always so late? But it's like, either are you willing to like carry your cross with this person? (laughs) Or you feel like their fatal flaw is like too much for you to handle. Mm. Yeah, I think that's it. Like nobody's perfect, you know? And it would be a crime to assume that you yourself is perfect. I think you just have to figure out like what is your what is your line and what can't you take from a certain friendship and is it worth it? And not just with friendships, but also like relationships as well, like romantic relationships. Like not every relationship is perfect or no relationship is, to be honest with you. But I think I've had situations where I'm speaking to somebody who's thinking, well, should I stay or should I go? Should it be over or not? And one thing I always wonder is like, are the, I don't know if it's are the pros worth the cons or are the cons worth the pros, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you being put through too much for it to make sense anymore that you're actually losing sanity, you're losing peace of mind? Yeah. Or are some of the things that you're going through not so bad that you have to end the relationship? And the same thing goes with friendships. Like, okay, your friend's fatal flaw is lateness. Is lateness such a big thing for you that you can no longer be friends? Or are you just going to accept this person the way they are? Especially from like, I don't know, a Christian perspective, I think it's also good to have grace for people as well. And I think to assume that your friend is going to be perfect in every aspect is quite quite naive you know um and i think we have to have grace for our friends but at the same time exercise your own boundaries and figure out what you can't tolerate anymore or sometimes let people know that this is not one thing i appreciate about you and i'm gonna maybe let it slide or maybe i'm not gonna let it slide and the friendship has to end but having said that i don't think i've ever ended a friendship based on anyone's fatal flaw quote unquote i've just kind of managed my expectations of the person Mm -hmm. you know i feel like with fatal flaws it depends how it affects me Mm-hmm. I feel like if your actions are constantly hurting my feelings, that like this is just, you know what? I came to this realization that sometimes we feel anger, but the, it's not actually anger. You're just hurt. Yeah. And so like you're hurting me. So I, I, I just can't. Mm. Lateness doesn't hurt me. Like it's annoying. It's irritating. Unless it's Please like chronic, chronically, <laughs> extremely late every yeah. time. Or late, like, when you really needed them. Yeah. And this is the thing. Sometimes people will be like, oh, whatever. Like, you should just get used to it. It's just how I am. But that translates to the other... That... English. 
I promise it's my first language. <laughs> that translates to the other person that you don't care about their time mm-hmm. and you weren't there for them when they needed you yeah. and you're not reliable. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes people don't realise that it's not that deep. I was just um, an hour late. <laughs> Have you ever been an hour late to something? What's the latest you've ever been to something? Um, like something important, like you're meant to meet somebody for dinner at seven. The thing with me is I can often foresee if I'm going to be late. So I'll just like message that person and be like, I can't mm. come the time I said I would. I can make it at this time or whatever, give them my ETA type of thing. I'm usually not more than half an hour late if I am late. Mm. It's like rare, like something crazy's happened. Um, I try not to be late, man. Because I, I know I don't like it, so mm. I don't want to do it to someone else. But speaking of like fatal flaws and friendships and you know how people have deal breakers in their romantic relationships. Do you have any deal breakers with friendships? Yeah, for sure. Such I'm trying as. to think of the friendships I've ended and the deal breakers for those. Um, hmm, that's a good one. I don't know if I haven't. I think I realised. Because it's so funny when it comes to relationships, we're like, we'll be reeling it yeah. off of like this, 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 this and that. I, I, do you know what, what I will say about myself? I think I do have way more grace for my friends than I do for any romantic situations I'm in. I think you should, to be Because... Honest. When I think of romantic situations, I think of something that could potentially be for life, Mm. right? If I like you and if we're dating or whatever and it blossoms into something more, I could potentially be with you for life. Whereas friends, I just know that like, sometimes you just grow out of friendships and I think it's socially acceptable to grow out of friendships and it's not socially acceptable to grow out of a marriage. (laughs) Yeah, because you you sign an agreement. Yeah, Yeah. for life. Yeah, you have to be sure. So I don't feel as like, you know, I have to be so on the ball with like, you know, my deal breakers and stuff. But a definite deal breaker is disrespect. I hate to feel disrespected. And I think if it's a constant thing, like you're constantly making me feel disrespected or um, ignoring my boundaries, Mm. um, I hate to feel embarrassed. So if you're embarrassing me, like your disrespect is causing me to be embarrassed, then no. Um, I'm not an arguer, like I don't argue. So a friend, but you know, when I say these deal breakers, yeah, the truth is that I keep away from these type of people. So <laughs> they're rarely ever anyway. in my life. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just don't, the friends I do have is because I really like you and I'd be really get on. Mm. And obviously arguments sometimes happen or issues happen, but I just don't like being around people that are like so hot headed and quick to yeah. um, get into situations and stuff like that. Mm. Like, no. So my number one top tip I would say is that I don't, I try not to get into those friendships in the first place. But sometimes you find yourself in situations with like people you grew up with and you kind of maintained that bond because you grew up together, but now you're kind of a bit different in terms of the way you live your life or your morals and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, but yeah, I think friendship breakups with people that you've spent years with, because I've had two friendship breakups um with people that I was friends with for very very long yeah. and I always say this to people I my, I always take long to react to things so when the initial friendship breakup happens I'll just be like oh like yeah we don't talk anymore because of xyz yeah. but then it will take me a while like I'll give you an example I have a, a friend that I haven't spoken to in like almost a year yeah we, we were friends for like our whole lives oh wow yeah that's how crazy it is. Yeah. As in like nursery friends? No, like we, like she's literally like my family. Oh, no way. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, what happened? <laughs> what happened? What happened? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's been a weird one to deal with because yeah. at first 
I wasn't really bothered. I'd, and also, sometimes when um, you have an argument with someone or an issue, you always think it's going to be resolved. Yeah. Like, oh, she'll probably call me or I'll call her. It'll be resolved and stuff. But then I think when it gets to like that six month mark, you're like, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe not. So it's been interesting because I feel like I've been thinking about her more now. Um, and this happened like, it's almost coming to a year, like I said. Oh, that is slow. I thought you were going to say like a few weeks or something. <laughs> not, not no, year. no, it's been really That's long. crazy. Um, so yeah, but I think, I, I know my thoughts are kind of all over the place, but I think pride has a lot to do with friendship breakup. Sometimes, you know, you guys could get over it, but your, your pride is like, I'm not going to call you. Yeah. And the other person's like, I'm not going to call her. Yeah. And then that's just how things kind of don't get resolved. I had a similar situation last year. Like, um, we called it like being on the rocks for a while. <laughs> or like yeah. a lover's tip. Like, yeah. it was like, we weren't speaking for a while, but it was fine afterwards. And there was definitely a lot of pride in the situation of like, well, I don't want to be the first person to say anything. So I'm just not going to say anything at all. There's a song by Sade called, um, I don't know if it's called Love is Stronger Than Pride or Life Stronger Than Pride, but essentially she's saying that love is stronger than pride. And I feel like in, in certain situations, the love you have for a person is going to have to overcome the pride if the relationship is that strong for you to just swallow that pride and be like, well, here's what went wrong. Let's try and fix this because it's just important to me and I still want to be in your life. In situations where the pride is stronger than the love, maybe it's just easier to let go because... I don't think you'd really value the relationship as much if so much pride is holding you back from just being honest and saying, here's what the issue is, let us resolve. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with the points that you've raised about disrespect and things like that are like argumentative. But I know that one deal breaker I have that I only really realise when I'm starting to get to know somebody more is something that I, I call like not being able to see someone, not physically, but it's like, like, can I see you? Like, do I feel like I'm being presented with like the real you? Am I am I gaining access to like what's beneath the surface beyond small talk? Even when we are like sharing things on a deeper level, do I feel like I can see you? Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there have been like relationships that I've like foraged with people, both romantic and non-romantic, where it gets to a certain point where I I can no longer lie to myself that I feel like I can see this person. Mm. and all the people in my life are close to me they're close to me because I feel like I can see them but I can still think of a few people where it's like I really wanted to be this person's friend or I would have I wish for us to have been closer in some way but I never really felt like I could see the person for who they are or Mm -hmm. like truly understand them I never really felt too close to them maybe they're just being close off because they don't like me like I don't I don't need the (laughs) access it's not by force I don't don't even deserve it I'm not entitled to it but I feel like that's one thing for me like I I guess you could call that a deal breaker it's like do I feel like I can see you or do I feel like I could it's almost in the eyes sometimes like you know when you speak to somebody looking into their eyes it's like can I see past that do you get what I mean yeah yeah no I get that for sure and also when it comes to like forming friendships I'm impatient in the sense that if I feel like um, like you, like the way you've put it, I can't see you, yeah. or you're too much of a slow burner. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just move on. Like, like what's... it's so bad. And some people are great people. Like they just need a bit more time for you to, you know, for you guys to break the ice and stuff like that. But yeah. I generally go. I feel like I was gonna say go for, but I I, I click with people that are really like bubbly and funny and passionate and yeah. all these different things and mm. yeah sometimes people are just not like that but I get it like sometimes people are actually bubbly and all these things but you guys you, just don't yeah, really click you, you feel, feel like, like there's something missing yeah. yeah and that's kind of what you said earlier about like or to me about um first impressions you always assume that your first impression of somebody's are matters the most but you're meeting each other for the first time yeah. so they're also making a first impression of you 
and maybe they feel like they can't see you or maybe they feel like you're too (laughs) much for them or you're not enough for them in whatever way you know and I think sometimes we actually forget that we are being judged just as much as people are judging us and I'd hate for like my judgmental spirit to come across as my personality because I'm trying to suss somebody up like mm-hmm. imagine getting to know somebody and you're asking them like bare questions just trying to get to know who they are i try not to make it obvious like when yeah. i'm trying to suss someone out or see what they're like i really try not to make it obvious at all because you can always sense when someone's trying to suss you out like i've yeah. met people before and i'm like do you think you're gonna figure me out in like 30, yeah. 30 minutes come yeah. on now like sometimes people need to be a bit more chill with that and just kind of be themselves and take it easy that's one thing i'm guilty of though like i ask a lot of questions because i'm just interested in getting to know people that i want to get to know yeah so i'm the person that will like try to put the conversation all on that person in terms of asking you questions or mm-hmm. what do you do what do you like doing what do you really like doing or want to be that? <laughs> like i'll ask you as many questions as i can yeah. because i'm just trying to get beneath the surface and to know you more but i've never considered that that might come across as like an interrogation <laughs> yeah yeah i think so and that's the great thing about friendships because usually like well, the ones I've made, it's organic. There's not this pressure to get to know someone. Mm. Whereas like with relationships, there's almost a pressure to get to know. Like, oh, I'm trying to get to know you though. Yeah, I think that, that <laughs> for the relationships that start with that conversation rather than the ones that start off as someone that you just know. What do you think of people that say that all good relationships start off as friendships or should start as friendships? I mean, I think, I think that's a good approach to take. Because you don't have like the pressure of, well, I hope that all the things I'm going to find out are going to be contributing towards a good, a good partner. It's more like I'm just trying to see if this person could fit as a person in my life that I know, potentially a friend. There's just basically less pressure. You know what I mean? And I think there's a difference between that and trying to be someone's friends that you can now move from friend to friend to boyfriend or friend to girlfriend. Friend with intention. Yes. (laughs) it's weird like I'd rather just happen to be your friend and things happen to go somewhere rather than you only ever try to be my friend to like fake this organic or we were just we were just friends once and now we're happy to be together like that's actually a lot weirder but I do think it's nicer when there's no pressure you're just getting to know somebody then one day you're like oh actually I can like this person for me I think it's a bit different because I'm more of a girl's girl so Mm. I can count like how many male friends I have I literally have like three right so because I'm not one to like have like so many male friends, it would just like, I, I'm not, it's not my thing. Like I don't just hang out with like 10 guys. You know what I mean? Me like, neither, like br- the bros, <laughs> not <laughs> me. guys. So I, I can't imagine being in a situation where a friendship would blossom into a relationship. But when it doesn't though, don't you feel the pressure? It's like, well, he must be speaking to me because he wants this. So now your mind is automatically in like, potentially relationship mode if that makes any sense but for me that's clarity like if i'm if i meet a guy and we're getting to know each other and it's it means that like we're gonna start dating i like that because i know what it is rather mm. than us being like in this weird friendship phase but are we friends but i like not that phrase <laughs> I can't. I'm not here for it's it. It's fun. It's fun until it literally crushes you. But it's like, exactly. <laughs> and then you're like, what was the reason? Yeah, I mean, that is the downside. Or dare I say, the downside to not having that, at least for me, is like... Because when is when does the friendship side of your romantic relationship become established? Because it's still important to have a friendship, right? Like, you guys aren't always yeah. kissing and hugging. Like, you have no, conversations. Sure. You for need sure. to develop chemistry. So how do you develop that chemistry while knowing that there were romantic intentions without thinking that it's not genuine, like it's ingenuine. Because sometimes I feel like, um, how do I put this? 
the great thing yeah about dating as a christian is that um sex is off the table mm-hmm. right so you're just building intimacy and getting to know each other which is a friendship really okay, i know sometimes you'll be like oh having conversations maybe about the future if you guys are in a relationship or um maybe telling that person that I, I love you so much and I feel this way for you. Mm. But after all the ooey gooey words are said, <laughs> you, you guys are just friends. You're just hanging out. You're just talking about that show you watched or let's go to the cinema. Let's watch this. Like um, there is not that kind of um, heavy emphasis on um, the sexual side of things, let me say. Mm. And I think that helps to focus on building that intimacy and that friendship. So you find that you are getting to know this guy, but you guys are friends because you're not sitting here talking about, oh, can you meet me for Netflix and chill on Thursday? Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean, actually. So you're saying you, you would never welcome the whole friendships to relationship um, pipeline. The reason why I can't, it doesn't work for me is because all my male friends are literally my friends and are literally my brothers. So I... I personally cannot see how you can be friends with a guy and you're saying this is your friend and then now they're your boyfriend. Like, I don't... It's called catching feelings. <laughs> I, I don't catch those feelings. You like, never caught feelings like that before? I've never had a friend, a male friend, that I've now felt like I like, no. Really? Mm-mm. We're going to cut this Do you know out, why? But... Do you know why? Before you say what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if I like a guy, if I fancy a guy, I would never want to be your friend. I don't, I can't do it. Like I've even, there was a guy that I talked to in the past. Yeah, but you wouldn't start with fancying them, would you? No, I can see someone. I can meet someone at an event and I fancy them. I'm okay, like, yeah. I like you, you're good looking. Yeah. We have a conversation, whatever. I will now like, I'm, I'll be so socially awkward with you. I'll just be like awkward. I'll start avoiding you. Like that's how I am when I like someone. Yeah. Um, I, w- I won't like run into your arms and become your friend. It's just not my thing. In fact, if I do become friends with a guy, that's a sign that I probably just don't like them at all. <laughs> we just vibe on a friendship to, vibe. To Joyce, Joyce's three yeah. guy friends. That's how yeah. she's going to vibe. To be honest, to be honest, yeah. I won't sit here and lie and say... <laughs> okay, let me... <laughs> You know when one person comes to mind? Yeah. <laughs> but that's an anomaly. Yeah. That's one. That's one. That's one in a million. But usually, mm-hmm. I just, it's just a straight bro thing and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But what were you going to say that we should cut out that I'm going to try hope that we don't cut out? No, we have to cut it out. Well, we'll see. I was just going to say like, it's always embarrassing to admit, but the majority of my male friendships. Oh my God. <laughs> Stay away from people like Adepola. <laughs> And I told you this a, a while ago and you were like, you're scary. Yeah. I remember you said this to me like That is years very ago. alarming. So yeah, you're but... saying that most of your, let's just repeat that for the people <laughs> in the back. No, we're cutting this part out. <laughs> no, Joyce. <laughs> you know what? Just know that I said something that has been cut out and we're now going to have the conversation from this point on. <laughs> so, so why do you think that is? Um, kind of hard to answer the question without the context for the, <laughs> for the listeners. Yeah. I don't know. I just think attraction is attraction. And actually, socially, dare I say, almost scientifically, good looking people draw people, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of gender, you're drawn to people who are presentable, who are, um, what's the word? What's the opposite of standoffish? Like, easy to approachable, you know, people who you think just look good, full stop. If you Mm want to 
you know, good can mean anything in this <laughs> in this context. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that is how I've established a lot of my friendships. Obviously, I'm, I'm not just going to speak to people who I think look great or whatever. But like, if I see someone that I like the look of in general, I'm likely to start a conversation with them and to develop a friendship. In the back of my mind, there may be something in my head saying, could this go somewhere? Yeah. You know, there may or may not be that thing in my so head. So is that voice in the back of your head always there throughout the friendship? Or does it reach yeah. a point where it turns up and now you don't find this guy attractive? Um, it just, it always depends on the person. Okay. For some people, it has developed into like, a, oh, like, okay, I fancy this person, but then it just fizzles away for whatever reason. For some people, it's like... Um, first impression that's why i approached you or that's why we started speaking Got but literally you. by the time my second conversation came around there was nothing i can always trace them back to a certain point of being like <laughs> you can't see my face but like <laughs> just looking at someone in a certain way and then it just turns into a friendship after that and maybe that's why i i have a few more of them around because you know, there are loads of good-looking people out there. <laughs> I'm so bad. Do you, okay, let me put, let me make this distinction, yeah. For me, there's a difference between finding someone um, attractive and thinking they're good-looking and having a crush on someone. Well, I can't have a crush on somebody from the moment I see them. No, no I get that. That's crazy. But if I find someone attractive, I, it's not like, it doesn't mean I like you. No. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, Do you it's get just that? like your object. Whereas I can meet someone who might not even be like, so a lot of people not even that attractive, but mm. I like them. Like I just like them as a person. Mm -hmm. That's the type of people that I just would avoid like the plague because yeah, I'm like that. It's weird. Someone that you like as a person. Yes. Like as, as in a guy, a guy that you I like have as a crush a on you. But when did the crush develop? Like, okay, you meet someone. Okay, let me give you an example. When I was in sixth form, I had a crush on this guy. I really, really liked him. Mm -hmm. We had all the same classes together. There were not that many black people in my sixth form, weirdly enough. It was in London, but there wasn't that many. Mm. So, oh, wow, I'm making this a bit too specific. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, ha I had a crush on this guy. I would avoid him like the plague, Defala. Yeah, you're different. So, we would, like, there would be times when we're out together because we got on. It was funny. Like, he, he was hilarious and stuff like that. But I just started avoiding him after a while because I just felt like... Um, yeah, why did you avoid him? Because, I don't know, I just felt awkward around him. Okay, like he didn't want to maybe embarrass yourself or something. Yeah. The awkwardness. I get that. I think people just navigate. And also, I felt like maybe someone might pick up. Okay, people would yeah. make comments like, oh, you guys look so good together. Ugh. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. There's, there's nothing worse than liking somebody <laughs> and then someone says <laughs> Mind you, I was like 17. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, my gosh people are going to realise that I fancy this guy. And uh -huh. I was just all in my head. And I thank God so much. Because I even, I was like, to God, please, I can never be like this again. Like, this is embarrassing. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I never, ever had a crush like that before, like again. Because at yeah. uni, I never had like an actual crush on anyone. I don't know what was going on at Brunel. <laughs> and we just goes down to who you would have found attractive or who you would Did, have been interested in. I was going to ask you if you had a crush on anyone at Brunel. <laughs> Let's not get it there. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Next. I will say though that one thing I realized post uni, um, post uni yeah. was that I was quite crazy as a child <laughs> when it came to like, like if I liked you, you know, like I couldn't hide it. Even if you, even if nobody told you or if I never told you because I never actually told anybody that I liked them like that or that I fancied them, but it was. So you're telling me that you've never told a guy that you like them? 
Not unless I was like talking to them and we were like dating or something like Same. that. Same. Yeah. I, I know people that do that though. Why would I do that? Do you know what I would like to think? That's brave. It is really brave. That's and so I know brave. someone who's done that like more than one. Too. And kudos. Uh, kudos. Hats <laughs> off to you. I would like to think that. And I say this, this is my advice to people. Hmm. If you really like someone, like you often hear like people saying, oh, I really like this guy, but I don't know how to shoot my shot. And I don't know how to make it known. Do you know what, man? You only live once. Like, That's true. If you really feel like, you know what? I would probably be great with this guy. We have such a great friend, maybe not friendship, but <laughs> interaction, <laughs> friendship, interaction, whatever. <laughs> I say go for it. What do you think about that shooting your shot? And if you had to shoot your shot, how would you shoot it? Um, I think it's great, especially from the perspective of a woman. You do hear a lot of people, a lot of women saying that if you only ever go with people who approach you, yeah, then you're only really going with like, you're only really the taking that like the options you. that are presented. Yeah. But if you go after what you like, you never know, like something good could happen and you could have been the person that chose this. So I think from that perspective, shooting a shot is really good. The downside is a lot of women don't have any game, <laughs> myself included, because we weren't socialized to be the ones to approach and a rejection literally cripples us. Yeah. Like it's like you, you, I don't know, even to the point of you can call a guy and he doesn't pick up and that's it. Like, you're never hearing <laughs> from me again. Stuff like that. Um, but I think it's a good ex- it's a good thing to exercise. Like, like it or not, men have been exercising rejection since they realized they could even like a girl. And it's not always ended in the best way sometimes when they find out she doesn't like him back. But I think men are a lot more used to rejection. Maybe that even goes down to, like, jobs. You always hear about men being more likely to apply for jobs they're not qualified for because... They just really think they're that good. And if they get a rejection, they might brush it off. Obviously, not all men in all situations, but you get what I mean, like, in general. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea to shoot your shot. I I did something, like, adjacent to that once. (laughs) And the rejection that I received was enough to make me never want to do it again. How did you shoot your shot? Uh, I think it was, like... Just basically being honest with how I felt about somebody. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or like but sugarcoating it. Like I sugarcoated okay. it real good. Yeah. Not good enough, apparently. Because, <laughs> because he literally like backflipped away from me after that. But I did like my best in like communicating. Here's how I feel considering um, how things have been going for the time that we've been speaking to each other. And I just didn't get the response that I wanted. And obviously I wanted to like shrivel up and die because it was like, well, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Now this person knows how I feel we both know they don't feel the same and now we're both aware of this thing that I now see as a weakness do you know what I mean but what I didn't regret about doing it was just the fact that I did it because I knew that I would have gone home that day and been like you should have just said something you should have just been honest about how you feel because you never are and this whole time you've only ever been taking people that approach you and figuring out if this person's going to work for you or not and you've never actually gone after what you wanted and been brave and just been honest you know what I mean so I was really proud of myself for being brave and I'm never I'm never gonna take that away from myself it'll probably take me a while to like want to be so honest with somebody again because like I feel like just mentally like you're not gonna just do the same thing that kind of hurt your feelings just like that straight straight away again or whatever but I definitely would be open to it since then I've been a lot more vocal about how I feel about people I've been a lot more honest with myself I hate being in denial in romantic situations it literally eats me alive I can't keep telling myself that I'm okay with something if I'm not so I think since that situation like a, a switch like flipped in my mind about the 
value of being honest about how you feel about somebody, especially when you don't know how they're going to respond. There's one thing to tell your boyfriend, I love you, because you know he loves you back. Mm -hmm. But to be the first one to say, I love you, we always know that kind of brings a bit more pressure because you don't want to feel that rejection. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for women to approach. I think you have to be brave. It's not always going to end in rejection. Sometimes I feel like a lot of the time it could actually end in like reception. <laughs> it could end I very know. well. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a good thing to exercise and not to take it personally. There's this um uh this like therapist I mentioned a while ago, like as one of my current faves, that um called Dr. Tamer. Mm -hmm. And she does really good like like kind of therapy and counseling podcast episodes. And she did one about rejections at the time I listened to it because I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> I need to heal from this, this yeah. trauma. And one thing she said, she was like, rejection is not, um, it's not a destination. It's an event. It's essentially like, it's mm -hmm. not like the thing that happened and then it was over. And now there's no way I can stand up again because I've just been knocked down so hard. Like it's just a thing that happened that I can now move on from, take it in my stride, see the, things I've learned from it, but just keep on living my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for so sure. So when I heard that, I was like, yeah, let me see it like that so that I no longer feel embarrassed for being honest, but I'm proud of myself for being brave. And that's why I see it the way I see it now compared to how I saw it the moment it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, you never have to wonder like, oh, what if I just said it? What if I was just, yeah. how many people are happy because they were just like, you know what? Man, I'm just gonna say it. I'm just yeah. gonna say how I feel. Yeah. Um, and saying, yeah, how you feel in the moment and just living in the moment. It reminds me of that episode um on Insecure where Issa just says to Lawrence, I don't wanna go. <laughs> and he's like, Tonight made me happy. Ah oh. And she says, <laughs> You make me happy. Yes. Yeah. So that right just there. say it. Just say how you feel. Yeah. And I was so happy watching that episode because I could relate to that. Like sometimes always holding yourself back or always feeling like you have to make the sensible decision or the yeah. rational or you. I don't want to come across this way and I don't want to. Yeah. Sometimes the way you feel is exactly how the other person feels or if, or they feel even more. They feel even more yeah, so yeah. that way. So, um, yeah, I'm just thinking, okay, if I had to shoot my shot, how would I shoot my shot? I had to answer that question how I would do it, but how would you do it? Um. Okay, do I know the person or I don't know the person? You don't know the person. Okay, let's say... Let's, let me, let me give you the scenario, actually. Okay. okay, so you go to a party, right? And the party's over and there's someone that you've been, like, doing the eye contact dance with, like, throughout the whole night. Yeah. He doesn't approach you. But you feel like there's a vibe there. So the nights go on inside the party. Everybody is now standing around outside. You know, the after party, you're standing around, whatever. Yeah. Your friendship group is standing here and his friendship group is on the right. Oh, no, he's in a group. <laughs> and you guys' eyes meet again. Yeah. And he looks like he kind of wants to approach, but he doesn't for some reason. I don't know why he doesn't. Yeah. And your friends are like, go speak to him. And for some reason, his friends are kind of, his friends are walking away now. His friends are oh, walking away. Thank God. <laughs> they're walking away, but that's because they're all leaving as a group. But he's kind of lagging behind a bit for one reason, speaking to one person. Their conversation is now over. You can see they're wrapping up. He's about to walk away. Hmm. Your friends are like, Joyce, like, say something. What do you do? I'm going to put a pep in my step. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what would I actually do? Um, okay, because I am shooting my shot. Because what I would, what I do, there's a difference between what I do and then what I would do to shoot my shot. What I do is just... Oh, yeah, what do you do? And stand there you? and look pretty. <laughs> and just, like, try to not interact too much with my friend, like, so that they feel like they can kind of make the approach. Mm. My, my, my strategy has always been to do nothing mm. and to just look good. Well, look at him. Yeah, like, yeah, look in that direction. My body language is, like, obviously, like, 
not being on my phone or kind yeah. of talking to my friends a lot. Like <laughs> one time me and my friends went to an event, yeah, like this is like three years ago. And um, we realized that the less we stood in a group, the more <laughs> things would go our way. So we're like, don't stand near me. Like, <laughs> let me just be like here by myself. And it, it, it worked like every time. But anyway, um, if I'm trying to shoot my shot, I would just go up to them and I would just compliment them. Okay. So I would just be like, oh my goodness, like I noticed you in the party. I really love like your shirt. Like, okay. where did you get it from? Do they do that in like a girl's version? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not laughing at you. Is that it's, good, it's good, it's good. <laughs> yeah, just and something he says, like that. Oh, thank you. I got yeah. it from ASOS. What do you say? ASOS? Yeah. ASOS? Yeah. Wow, I've never heard of that. You never heard of ASOS before? Yeah, I just feel like... No, I'm beating him right now. Oh. <laughs> you haven't yeah, heard of ASOS? I've never heard of ASOS before. I usually um, shop on um, PLT because oh, okay. I am PLT. I yeah, am you that are. pretty little thing. So he says, yeah, yeah you are. What do you do? <laughs> Is this is this stressful? Period? I don't have it in me. <laughs> or okay. if I don't go for that kind of compliment, I'd say, "Oh, where are you from?" Okay. Oh, oh my god, I got a friend from you. Yeah, mm. that kind of that's perfect. Yeah, I just try to create like general conversation. I feel like it's obvious. Like if a girl's coming to compliment you, it's a bit obvious. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think you can go wrong with a compliment. No, you can't. Everybody likes to have their ego stroked a bit. And I think it makes you a bit more memorable as well to like notice something like that, especially in a dark room. Like you saw this shirt in a dark room. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And I don't know. If, and sometimes I feel like the fact people always say the things that you're the most scared to do are the greatest indicator of what you need to do to like just grow as a person and stop yeah. being like have less things on the list that you're scared of. So if approaching somebody is one thing you're scared of or letting someone know that you're kind of interested in them, maybe that's the next thing you need to do. Not with just anybody, obviously, like somebody who, who you genuinely be interested in, but it could really help you learn a lot about yourself and to kind of be brave. Like being brave was one big thing for me in like second year of uni, I'd say. Second or, second or I don't know, sometime in uni, I just realised I'm not like a brave person. Like I'm not being as outgoing as I would like to be, you know, like I do my best to be, like an approachable person in pu- in public or whatever that looks like but I still don't feel like I'm getting the results <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean I'm still feeling quite unnoticed I still don't feel like people really see me as amazing as I see myself do you know how crazy it is to know that you're like an amazing person but you feel like nobody else really sees that mm-hmm. and that's something I've had for a long time in my life even to this day sometimes I'm like I don't know like say say you get dressed to go to a party right and you feel like you look really, really good, but you go to the party and it's dead and you kind of feel like you wasted a good look mm-hmm. and like a, a dead event or whatever. That's what it kind of feels like when you really leave the house feeling confident. By the time you start to interact with people, you start to see yourself shrink. Maybe I should say I rather than you because I don't know if this is like, a, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I've definitely had myself in certain situations leaving my house feeling fine in a good mood. But when I get to the destination, I realize I'm so much more confident when there's nobody here to make me feel insecure <laughs> because there's nobody here. Yeah. I'm so much more out there, so much more outgoing, so much more free when there's nobody around. But when I'm interacting with people, then I realize, oh yeah, you could work on that. You could work on that. I try not to let it feed my insecurities, but it definitely mm-hmm. does make me realize that, oh, like there is a lot for me to do to cope more socially than I am so far I hear that I definitely agree because man social interactions and just it's like 
you're way more in your head about certain things than yeah. you probably realize yeah until you're in those situations mm-hmm. and then you're like oh yeah so being brave is a, is a big part of it or like even i think university tricked me into thinking that i was an extrovert but <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i think university taught me how to cope socially more yeah. than I could when I was first 18 and first I fought on that campus. I think sometimes I'm in situations where I expect myself to thrive and I'm, I get this harsh reminder that you're not an extroverted person. <laughs> like, <laughs> that person is an extrovert. You can just have conversations now without being weird. But like, <laughs> before you couldn't do that. So that's yeah. like a big wake up call. But at least I can like, I can like cope now. That's one thing I definitely think I was able to achieve at university. Love that. Yeah. Also, one other thing I wanted to say about friendships, um, something I saw online reminded me of it a few days ago and it's something I've heard a lot about recently as well is like from a woman's perspective the value of your your um female friends basically in comparison to your like your husband or your spouse or your partner this one TikTok had this girl maybe even maybe I've sent it to you I don't even know Mm. she was like um I think maybe last year her dad literally divorced her mum and got with a younger woman, like that go-to scenario. Right. Um, and then she had loads of these clips that she was inserting of her mom having a good time with her friends. And all her friends had been friends. And she was like, I don't know, in primary school or like nursery. Yeah. And she was like, these are the relationships that actually matter more, dare I say more, than any husband or any kind of partner. Because they are, they know who you are. They know who you were when they first met you. Mm-hmm. They know who you developed into before you met this person. And they know who you are outside of the relationship whereas in some relationships where you meet the person and it's from the get-go I like you and I want you it's a bit harder for them to see you as just like that friend from a few years ago do you get what I mean and I thought that was really profound like seeing the value in like our female friendships and how much we are always or ideally there for each other outside of relationships like you can have I don't know two relationships in the space of five years for example and your friend is with you like through all of that yeah right right. i think that's really like even in insecure for example in that last scene with molly and Issa, and they were like oh we've been through so much together it's like it's true like they've literally been friends for the longest and through all of these ups and downs this is actually the one person that's really been constant in your life in comparison to the on again on again boyfriend that you had you know yeah exactly and i think i was watching an interview of Issa talking about insecure and she was saying that Obviously, the premise of the show, if you guys don't know, is like mm. about these ladies living in LA, right? Mm-hmm. And then, well, it focuses mainly on Isa and her love stories and like meeting new guys and how she navigates that. Um, but the real love story is between Isa and Molly. Yeah, Because exactly. we literally watch their journey of friendship from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, and yeah, guys come and go. <laughs> like, girls, um, girls but yeah, man, so many people experience real love stories and friendships yeah. and real connections and real bonds and um it reminds me of that scripture that says like a brother is made for adversity Mm. and you know it there's a reason it said a brother or like a sibling it it likened it's a sibling relationship rather than a romantic one Mm. um because yeah they they're just there in all times all seasons exactly that's beautiful isn't it what a friend How do you say the word? Chastity. 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 Yeah. English. Chastity. <laughs> but yeah, guys, we wanted to talk a bit about our celibacy journeys because we've never spoken about it. Um, Sorry. Am I, I celibate? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what do you, what's your I don't know. Celibate? I don't know. 
Okay, just then keep talking. I'm just trying to figure out what I am. I think I am. Okay, we're... <laughs> this is definitely good. This is so funny. No, we have to keep it in. <laughs> well, um, it's basically like waiting till you're... <laughs> waiting. But um, let, me, let me make this distinction because basically I was reading this book called The Sorrows of Love, which you can go on to afters because that spoke about some really interesting things about like relationships or whatever. But yeah, at the end of the book, it spoke about the difference between chastity and celibacy, which I think that we get a bit confused as as Christians. I've only heard because people speak about abstinence and celibacy. Yeah, then what's what's abstinence? What are you abstaining from? It's like abstinence is basically not having sex. Okay. Should I read the definitions of all three? Then we'll see. So abstinence is the practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something, typically alcohol or sex. Mm -hmm. And then celibacy the state of abstaining abstinence <laughs> <laughs> the state of abstaining from marriage and sexual relations so that's oh. kind of the same right celibacy seems like permanent yeah it's abstaining from sex from sexual relations but abstinence can is indulging in something so abstinence is a bit more of a blanket term okay so i think celibacy comes under abstinence pertaining to sex abstinence is just like it's almost like lent you know how in lent people give up like drinking or whatever and then you've got chastity which is the state or practice of refraining from extramarital or especially from all sexual intercourse extramarital yeah well i'd hope so (laughs) don't go cheating on people yeah they're kind of all they sound a bit kind of all the same yeah but anyway yeah what were you saying um, I was just saying, yeah, that we've never actually spoken about our journeys or maybe how we view mm. that and how we viewed it growing up and conversations around purity and saving yourself. Yeah. Um, I can definitely remember like in my early teen years going to like Christian youth events yeah. and them talking about save yourself. <laughs> for your for <laughs> I don't know why I sounded like a Southern Baptist preacher <laughs> there. But um, yeah, the importance of, of waiting mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah conversations around attaching value to um waiting until the person that god has for you comes around yeah and treating sex like the sacred basically mm-hmm. and um i don't know i always thought it was weird it's like well why did god give us such access to each other outside of marriage if sex was meant to be inside of it like he just made it so hard <laughs> <laughs> like i get what you want me to do but you're not making it any easier by yeah. giving me the thing since the day i was born like yeah <laughs> it might get used do you know what i mean but <laughs> <laughs> ideally it shouldn't but similar to you i definitely had all of these like youth camp things or whatever like don't have sex basically don't kiss because that's going to lead to sex and you're going to get pregnant and no one's going to love you anymore because whatever like kind of like instilling all this fear in you i don't think the idea was to make you so scared but you know how children are like they're gonna like exacerbate the effects of these things in their minds Mm -hmm. it won't stop them but it will definitely increase the amount of guilt if or when they definitely go ahead and do it and i think it will take a lot for them or for us whatever to not feel that guilt after such a situation the youth camps that I went to growing up, I wouldn't call them extreme. They were, <laughs> they, were they could have been more extreme, but they had their extreme moments. Right. And I don't know if I've already told the story on the podcast, but there are two contracts out there <laughs> with my name and surname on. Yeah. 
with me vowing to celibacy. <laughs> How old were you at this time? I was like 12. Oh my gosh. I was so young. Like yeah. I was not more than like, I was not more than like 14, 15. So like that age and below. Mm-hmm. I went to two different events. They were probably like back to back over the years or whatever. And it was in this tent behind someone's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, the more I describe it, it just sounds really weird. I won't even lie. But yeah, it was like an event and it was all about like celibacy slash slash abstinence or chastity just sexual purity i guess we could mm. call it whatever and i'm pretty sure they had those events of yeah when i was your age i had sex and i had a kid and it was really hard for me and now i'm trying to pick my life back up or now i realize the value of sex inside marriage and whatever and i don't think teaching it is wrong because it's in the bible right so it is a truth to be taught but i think the approach to it is what's really important um I don't know, maybe I was too young to understand exactly what I was doing, or maybe I was too young to understand just how hard it is to keep such a promise that I signed 13 <laughs> years ago, yeah, whatever, yeah. how old I am. But, um, you know, if I could find, I don't want to speak ahead, but like, if I could find those contracts now, I would probably rip them up just because I think it's weird. <laughs> and we always speak about how Christians love to be weird. So I'm not surprised oh, yeah. that it's something that I experience. But I think it just represents just how much they try to ingrain it in us. The importance of it is important. But I think the approach that you take is more important that if a person does go against these vows that they've signed and these contracts, they don't feel like they're going to like die from all of the guilt that comes with it. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think sometimes like um, a lot of Christians mean well mm. because waiting until marriage is like a biblical concept and there's so much safety in that you know you're yeah. safe from sexually transmitted diseases yeah. you're safe from um you pregnancy. know <laughs> pregnancy yeah. like there's it makes sense as to why this is god's design for god's people but um i think sometimes the way in which the message is delivered sometimes can be a bit strange or problem problematic like mm-hmm. you know with the signing of contracts <laughs> of 12 year olds um and almost feeling like your if you kind of make a decision to have sex at an earlier age mm-hmm. the the amount of shame and guilt that comes with that and i remember this so vividly um i went to a camp and they basically had like pieces of um what was it it was like it was like velcro or something mm-hmm. i can't remember i can't remember word for word but it was like a velcro piece and the lady was basically saying velcro when you put it together it sticks like you have to yank it off for it to come off mm-hmm. but the more you have that velcro and the more you yank it off the less it, it sticks as well mm-hmm. and she was basically likening that to sex and sorry <laughs> okay i've just realized how this sounds so bad <laughs> just say it. but yeah liking it to like you know don't keep going to fornicate and having sex outside of marriage because something that is meant to stick and be bonded all of a sudden you're going to find it harder to make those intimate connections and mm-hmm. be kind of like um, have this covenant relationship mm. because you've built covenants already with so many people. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think some, some of these things are just hard for 12 and 13 year olds to, yeah. <laughs> to take in. I mean, to an extent, because you remember it to this day, mm-hmm. but it's like, from what perspective are you remembering it? Like, Like, do you feel like that has effectively like made you see relationships the way that she wants you to see them or sex and relationships mm. or are you now just thinking that was that was a strange way to describe it like in what yeah. way are you remembering it um i remember at the time feeling like sex was bad yeah and that's the problem i think with a lot of this message like yeah. even though you know fornication is not is not something that 
we should be engaging in as Christians, it, you almost feel like the act itself is bad. And it kind of was maybe like in my late teens or like early 20s that I started to realize that, okay, sex is a good thing. Mm. You know, it's something that God wants us to, you know, enjoy, but it, it just has to be in these parameters mm. and viewing it differently. And also viewing my decision to wait until marriage um, in a different way. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes believers feel like, oh, they're better than people because they're waiting or they're yeah. they're in a better position because they've decided to make that decision. But it's literally that. It's an individual decision that you've decided to make. Mm. And you're the one that's going to benefit from that. Yeah. So using it to condemn others is strange. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think similar to you, like around that age is when I started to realise it. I literally came to you and I'd hear stories. I was thinking, you're having sex? Like... <laughs> like we're 18 <laughs> I was so naive <laughs> it's actually crazy but that just goes to show like my upbringing or whatever um so I had to put a lot of effort in recent years to realize okay it's not necessarily a bad thing it's not advice for so and so reasons but if you do it or if you do anything pertaining to, to sex in whatever way you're not like condemned to hell because if if you were then what's the point of the cross and grace and everything like that like you are already forgiven for things that are sinful or whatever but I think I put a lot of effort to no longer feeling any guilt about such behavior because guilt just eats you alive and there isn't really much you can do about it until you forgive yourself. But what does that even look like? Um, and this, if you are already forgiven by God, then you just have to come to terms with that forgiveness yourself and tell yourself it's, it's kind of okay. And to get rid of those feelings of condemnation, I think was the biggest thing for me to like come to terms to. Is like if I do do something or when I do do something that isn't right, am I going to like curl into bed and cry and just beg god for for forgiveness and like start going to all these fellowships and just trying to like <laughs> just pray away the sin and just pray away all the bad things that i've done in recent years i've definitely put a, more, a lot more effort into telling myself like it's okay was it the best thing to do probably not but there is no condemnation and now what you have to do is work towards not doing that again if you really feel like it wasn't the right thing to do yeah. and i feel like that's the approach we should have always had and it wasn't right like sometimes in churches growing up I know stories of women who were uh who got pregnant outside of marriage and they weren't even allowed to like be in what's the word you use like front serving um positions in church okay. or like forward facing positions like you couldn't be in the choir anymore you couldn't be an usher like it was so shameful basically and I think that would also reinforce these things of fear especially for girls like mm. oh my gosh if I get pregnant there's going to be nobody there's going to be nothing there's going to be no support for me but with men it's different because men don't carry babies yeah, yeah. you know so it's doesn't a lot e yeah so it doesn't show so it's a lot easier and every time <coughs> I think to myself like it really takes two to make a child the woman does carry a lot more of the burden like physically and like I don't know socially um but things like that are really worrying that they happen in the church yeah. um because it's almost like you wonder like do you understand the concept of like why we're all here exactly because we're all here because we've all sinned all yeah. have fallen short of the glory of yeah. like all have fallen short of like you know the, the picture of what we what we should have been or what we would have been if mm -hmm. sin didn't exist mm -hmm. um so to kind of single people out or single particular types of sin and be like well because you're you have a, a pregnancy bump so your one's really much worse than yeah. you know me lying and being backstabbing and being a yeah. gossiper behind the scenes but because mine doesn't show it's fine and it's like it's so uh it's annoying it's upsetting it's irritating yeah. and i know like you know i have a friend who told me that in her church they literally suspend people as in churchgoers 
you, yeah, like if, for example, you get pregnant out of wedlock, and you just like you just you'll be church. suspended. <laughs> That's ridiculous. How it's can so you suspend annoying. someone from church? It's so annoying, and, and you wonder, like, do these people have actual like thriving relationships with God, and are you? They think they are do. you in communion with the Holy Spirit? Because wouldn't He just nudge in your heart and be like, "Wow, like, you know, you need to." This is, if anything, this is the time to love people, mm. support people more than ever, mm-hmm. um, and that's why people feel like they can't go to church anymore yeah. and then we want to cry oh my god this generation is turning away from god <laughs> we need a revival <laughs> no you need a revival within your heart love <laughs> you need a heart transplant <laughs> you need a renewal of the mind yeah. because you know it reminds me of that scripture that says like if i speak in the tongues of angels but i don't have love i'm literally like a resounding gong like i'm just making a lot of noise wow. because i don't have any love like you know it's it's um i don't know we need to there needs to be a a, a, ch- a change of mindset you know yeah i think there's a very i think there's a very healthy approach to have to teaching things like sex to like um young people or like teenagers in the church say this take this pregnant woman in church for example the one who um had sex out of marriage and now she's pregnant and w- what do we do with her like <laughs> does mm-hmm. she stay or does she go yeah dare i say a really good thing to do would be to continue to let her go into the church not expose her business or whatever but just treat her like a normal person it's very unfortunate that she is carrying the representation of her sin i'm so sorry most of us don't carry our lies in our backpacks to church you know what i mean like pregnancy is very hard to hide but the fact is okay like you said all have fallen short whatever i think it's better for children to see how they're still accepted into this um, church and into this space despite falling short of God's glory or whatever to understand the truth of grace and to have a right understanding of who God is rather than to never ever see a pregnant woman around you that is pregnant outside of wedlocks if I ever do it well maybe they're just going to disappear me or something like that like isn't it just so much healthier to continue to embrace people who are falling short because you yourself will definitely fall short one day and you'll want to be embraced too yeah and have like you know God forbid that I'm the reason why someone has a decline in their walk with God mm-hmm. because I couldn't bring my character in, into alignment. And that's yeah. why I always think that in the church, there needs to be a very heavy emphasis on character development mm-hmm. and people building godly character because you can read from Genesis to Revelation, but if your character is just bad, mm-hmm. then the body's going to suffer as a, as a result. And too many people have been... Um, victims of people with bad characters in church Mm. and now it's so sad because it's affecting that person's relationship with god their walk with god and ultimately them not fulfilling purpose which now affects the lives of others and Mm. it's just a domino effect but if we all um you know try to put a lot of emphasis on building godly character then a lot of this wouldn't wouldn't be a a thing Mm. that reminds me um of this uh oh gosh one thing about me i love an expose right <laughs> and there's this tiktok chain that i was immersed in yesterday like part seven part nine like i was <laughs> oh i was going her page scrolling to find the next part so i won't mention the church because for whatever reason but she basically went to this really really big church right and they had this branch in um they have branches all over london but she went to one in south london um when she was 13 she got brought into the church by like evangelism or whatever. And they're one of these extreme cult adjacent, if not cult churches, basically. Yeah. 
she was like an assistant in the church by the time she was 15 years old um by the time she was 19 she got married because they really value marriage in the church by the time she was 21 she got divorced because that's when she finally left the church or whatever but it was one of those ones that i like she was in church basically every single day and as an assistant quote unquote she had to tell the pastor everyone's business so like she, she oh would, my gosh they'd have like targets and quotas of people to keep up with and things like that mm. and um she'd obviously be speaking to them and counsel like counseling married couples at the age of 15 like that crazy and oh, then wow. she'd now have to go back to the pastor like on their weekly meetings and be telling him oh they'll, they'll be telling him like oh this person the church is going through this person is going through that and the pastor would literally just be out of his mind because what pastor of such church won't be crazy now now um shouting at people for not meeting their targets and just mm-hmm. just terrible terrible stuff so she's telling her story now and um she's now left the church i don't know how old she is now probably like late 20s she's left the church and there were loads of comments in her um comment section saying things like oh um i hope this hasn't affected your relationship with god (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she was like you saying that is like me it's like someone getting out of an abusive relationship and you asking them are you still dating or are you on hinge like are you trying to find are you trying to find someone new yeah and she's like how how can you not realize how traumatizing that is and that's what you just said kind of reminds me of it's like as a result like from like our christian perspective now because she no longer identifies as a christian it's like that's one one extra person or one person that isn't really filling out their purpose according to god's will mm-hmm. because of the damages in churches it's not the same as this whole sexual morality thing we're talking about but just like wrong teaching essentially yeah, yeah affecting not only the person but all of the lives that they could impact as a result yeah and that's just i don't believe in this whole idea that um, I belong to this church and I can only get teaching from this church and I can only associate with people from this church. And, mm. you know, the, the, that kind of uh, ideology is quite dangerous because mm. I really believe that we are the body, meaning I can go to my church, I go to GI, I love GI, but then I could listen to um, a sermon from another church yeah. and I could pull from different um different people and different walks and different testimonies and I can speak to my friend that goes to a different branch and you know and then I can I can then I can also focus on my personal relationship with God outside of maybe what um, churches think or say and what and, and it really has to become this individual thing and I remember the scripture that says um you know the scripture where Jesus is going to say depart from me I never knew mm-hmm. like being in a position where you know that you know that you know that you know God so much that you're not relying on your pastor you're not relying on your youth leaders it's that you know him for you mm-hmm. and I think sometimes these kind of churches rob you of that because yeah. they teach codependency yeah. and you almost can't function as a Christian outside of their four walls and this is why when I meet people that tell me I go to church every day it's a red flag <laughs> 100%. There's no reason to be there every day. It's a, re- it, it's a red you, what flag. What are you doing? And you know what it, it indicates to me? It indicates to me control. Yeah. They're trying to control every aspect of your I life. I don't think you're going there just looking for something to do. Someone told you to be there and you said, yes, sir. Because if you go there every day, that means that that's your only social circle because you don't have time to meet other friends. She literally said in a thing, like I just, I wasn't interested in my friends or family anymore. All my friends are from this church, which is partly why a lot of these people find it hard to leave because they know they're gonna lose their social network or whatever. Everything, every human being yearns for belonging. Mm. And so they get vulnerable 13 year olds, 14, 15 year olds who are looking for belonging. They find it there, Mm. they grow, they're developing, you know, they feel like they've found their belonging. 
so to walk away from that is very hard. Have you it? ever found yourself in a situation where like looking back, you realized the only reason you stuck around somewhere for so long was because you were impressionable or because you were searching for something? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I stuck around for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I understand and I can relate to that feeling of wanting to be seen mm. and wanting to belong somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes you'll see videos or you'll see things and you'll be like, oh my God, that looks so cool. And they're all friends and they're all like in community, especially as Christians. Mm. Um, so I can relate to that. But the thing with me is I absolutely don't like to feel controlled. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Thank God help me in that some region. Some don't know when they're being like, controlled. Some people don't, they definitely don't mind. They're just so... <laughs> <laughs> they don't view it that way but me like the the minute I can sense that like there is some sort of issue if I can't do this thing or mm-hmm. if I can't make it or if I can't I, I usually pull back because even when I went to Brunel you know I, I originally was part of like a a fellowship and it just wasn't for me after mm-hmm. I think I was going there for like like two months two three months yeah um but yeah it just it, it wasn't for me and and I felt like um if I had stayed there probably be a completely different person now really yeah and and i hate do you know when talking about these things it doesn't mean that sometimes ministries are seasonal it doesn't mean you can't grow in in said ministry there's some that are just ridiculous that are cults <laughs> and everyone should run away from but there's some that you're maybe you are there for a season and yeah. you can actually testify of how you've grown or developed in these churches mm. and for that time maybe you needed to be there but um yeah it's not for everyone and it's not long term for everyone and Mm. yeah yeah I think I had something similar I wasn't ever in like potential leadership or I I guess I could have been if I stuck around for longer for like more than a week or so but I just remember like feeling like there is no way you guys can't see this as weird sometimes I just look around the room and be like come on like can someone wake up right now like and they would approach me and I'd just be like no it it was a no brainer yeah it was always a no-brainer. From the moment one of them asked me, called me like, no, not even asked me or called me. The day the service was over, their first service, they launched a youth service. Now I came up to me asking what department I'm going to serve in. So scary. <laughs> I just got here. But <laughs> what, the hell, what is that? Like the, the audacity to assume that I even enjoyed this enough to want to come back. You didn't even ask me that. You just said, where are you going to serve? That's crazy. That's beyond audacious. I always say this and I say it almost every episode. Find your tribe. Because yeah. I've met people who like things like that. That's crazy. They feel okay, like, yeah. oh my gosh, like I just came here and they just loved on me. <laughs> they loved on me from the day I walked in this <laughs> door. And they'll be telling you that they were hounding them and they were like, yeah, I needed it. I needed that guy to call my phone four times a day. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. And yeah. and for them, mm-hmm. it's like, it, sh- it was God's love. Your goodness is running after. It's running. <laughs> That's Some how they find that scary. <laughs> whereas some people feel like oh my gosh that's way too much like i just need something way laid back and that works for them and then it doesn't mean that they lack consistency but they're able to build consistency through a more hands-off approach so man find your tribe important what a note to end it on i love that because it's the answer to everything come on you know what my two answers to everything in christian christianity find your tribe find your tribe and um be okay with the i don't know (laughs) Just be okay. I love it. I've been telling her like that every day. Yeah. You just gotta be okay. <laughs> and you know what the thing I remember today is actually um we had a guest minister at our church today and um she said something about um something in relation to travel. And uh, I remembered 
when uh, Joseph Solomon said, you need to travel light. Mm, mm. That's a great one. It's a very good one as well. She was basically saying, sorry to cut you off, when you go to Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. the doors are really narrow and talking about the cost of being a Christian and um, the way is narrow, it's not broad. No, that's why she was saying that. Yeah. So I, when she was mentioning narrow doors later on, I was thinking, oh, that's a good metaphor, but I didn't know where she was going off because I didn't come <laughs> to <her>. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get it. And it reminded me of, you know, yeah. you can't go with all this baggage through a narrow door. You're not going to fit through the door, but mm-hmm. you have to go through the door. Traveling light, mm-hmm. man, it's necessary. Like some of the things we take on with us, mm-hmm. on board with us, or the things we focus on, man, you got to travel light. For me, traveling light looks like focusing on the grace of God. Mm. Traveling light looks like remembering the love of God, giving God my time because he, he gives me his time all the time. Yeah. Wow, that's really profound. And it, it also reminds me of, when you say traveling light, it reminds me of the phrase pack light from Erica Badu's song, Bag Lady. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> bag lady, you're going to hurt your back carrying all those bags like that. Um, she just basically says pack lighter so leave all these bags behind so you can like move on and live your life and just it's basically the same thing you're saying it's like the value of packing light literally I don't pack light at all like I've always got the heaviest bag or like the biggest suitcase (laughs) when I'm traveling so that might represent a lot in my life but like I find it hard because there's just so much I feel like I might need and a lot of the things I'm keeping around because it's like oh I might need this I might need that I don't want to be like found wanting in like a different country of like I can't read what's on their packaging. I'd rather just bring my own. But I guess if you want to relate that to faith, that also trust in God that if you do suddenly need something, he's going to provide. So there's no need to carry all this stuff with you, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, guys. guys. (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, Yeah, it's been your girl, Joyce. It's been me, Adafala. Bye.